What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. Mendy here, joined by a piece of cake that lives life by the three C's. Cheese, chess, and catcher. That's Art Benny, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, VLC. LC, how's it going? It's going good. Alliteration is a good way to start off the show. Cheese, chess, and, and catchers. I I didn't realize I had such a close relationship with the letter C. Uh, Don't forget you- the Cubs. And the Cubs. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Chicago Cubs, that's five. Oh, my gosh. I, I should have named both of my kids C names, obviously. <laughs> I know that now. I, I'm I, doing I, great, man. It's freezing here, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, showing up, baseball hat and all, and uh, I saw you jamming backstage, getting the energy flowing, you're like you always do. Uh, anything, any good stories from this past week, Cheesecake? Any Anything that good for the good of the group here that you think might enhance our night tonight? <laughs> uh, well... Should we talk? I want to talk about our draft that we're doing. Uh, Is that a I will? Good I will. I will put that on pause. That's, okay. That's I don't want. Uh, yeah, I don't want to tease. Uh, I I do. I am tonight wearing contact lenses because I'm very self conscious because my kid jumped on my head last weekend. We're uh, we're playing. He's wrestling. He goes, throws a blanket over me and jumps on my head, cracks my glasses. <laughs> now I have taped glasses. Normally I'm in glasses, but I'm like, I can't, I'm going to be on screen. Better throw on the contacts. I don't want to have the tape, be the tape glasses guy. I'm already, you know, already the old guy here. So, you know, <laughs> that's your alternate chariz- ego already. Oh yeah. The other yeah. voice you hear, of course, is uh, a man that who lives life with three TVs in his living room. And that's Eric Mendelson, AKA the doc. What's up? Is threes just the theme here, man? I, I, well, except for Marty, that's something else for him. Okay. Yeah, it's true. NFL Sunday is never boring at my place. Yeah, no, it is. It's a good, it's a nice setup. We also, of course, joined by the man who watches Jeopardy like it's his job. And that's Marty Tallman. What's up? Um, what is nothing? How are you? <laughs> oh, I don't have to answer that question. Anyway, yes. Uh, you know, who does, if you don't love Jeopardy, um, and there's two types of people in this world. There's Jeopardy people and Wheel of Fortune people. You need to ask yourself, which one are you? I'm a Jeopardy person. How many? What about a Venn diagram? Can I be in the middle? I'm both. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a wheel person. What is no? <laughs> well, what? How many do you consider if you get correct? It's a good night. How many did you get right? Any? Well, I'll put it this way: for sports, I want to sweep it. I expect anything political, anything historic. I want to get three, four of them, and anything literature. I'm. I don't. I'm not too hard on myself. Okay. That's fair enough. I can take that. Well. You guys notice there's two other members on the screen joining the show tonight. We welcome in some men that you could say might have a rivalry as one is grown up in Toronto and the other one in Windsor, right near Detroit. One is a college administrator who is the cool dean and once passed on Cecil Fielder in a 1990 draft when he started playing fantasy baseball and he has never lived it down. The other is a sports journalism and broadcasting grad that loves his fantasy sports, betting, poor takes, and worse jokes, which I can definitely get behind because I'm all about <laughs> the bad jokes here. We welcome in, of course, Drew Klein and RJ Stacey. How's it going, guys? Good to be here, man. It's uh, it's off. I mean, there's not, it's not baseball season yet, obviously, but it's good to talk about it, even though there's nothing going on in the uh, world of baseball right now. So I'm pumped to be here for sure. 
Uh, great to be. I had no idea getting a DMND introduction was on my bucket list, but apparently it was. So I'm checking that off tonight. Thank you for that opportunity. And uh, yeah, listen to the show, listen to a lot of pods, and I really like this one a lot. It's one of my favorites, and uh, truly a joy to be here. And, and talking baseball is always fun. I, I would like to know who you passed on Cecil Fielder for. Thank you. I want to know. And it's Cecil. I just have to say. Oh, it. yeah. Cecil. Yeah. Cecil yeah. Fielder is probably somebody like Jay Buhner, but I, I honestly can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. I just remember. Was it his 50 home run season? It absolutely was. And he oh, jumped no. over from Japan. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, these guys always let us down. And uh, so I, I couldn't do it. And then I just watched that season. And, oh, shaking my head. Yeah, I feel like you like you should get him to autograph something, or, or there's like he's he's gonna become like synonymous with you now. Like, everybody's gonna be like, oh, he's the guy that passed on him, and you gotta have him, like in like your profile picture or something like that. Yeah. So wait, my follow up is: Did you take Prince every year then, like to <laughs> to not make the mistake of passing on a fielder? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Redemption. Redemption. Yeah, he, had some, <laughs> he had some good seasons. Good seasons. I love it. Well. We're pumped to have these two on the show tonight. We are starting, for those that might be living under a rock, position previews are taking over the landscape of the fantasy baseball realm, and triple play is not far behind. And We are now getting started with our position previews, of course, starting with catcher. And we're going to go over players that we're fading, some players we like, some late-round gems, and much more. You're expecting to hear some disagreements, some debates, tons of great information for when you draft your fantasy baseball team coming this episode. After we go to the bullpen for our question of the week, if you could design an alternate, and wow, if I could speak English, that would be good. If you could design an alternate jersey for a Major League Baseball team, what would the jersey look like and for which team? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we are here to do it for you. And let's dive in and let's start with our headlines. And the only headline I would like to start with before we kind of get into the meat and potatoes of everything here is you guys heard the Hall of Fame introductions and who made it and who didn't. David Ortiz is in, selected by the Baseball Writers Association of America, receiving 77.9% of the vote, which is just barely over the 75% threshold you need to get in. And each of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa have now exhausted their 10 years on the ballot and will no longer be eligible for consideration by the BBWAA. So I'm going to go around the horn here just to hear your thoughts. And if you you know what, if you're one of those people, it's like, you know what, don't care. I don't really pay that much attention. It doesn't do anything for me. All good. But RJ, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on Ortiz getting in and these other guys not? Uh, I personally disagree with it. I mean, I would just like to see some consistency sort of across the board. Uh, if you are opposed to steroid guys getting in, I'm not. I understand. Like, I understand you're thoughts on that but once you kind of start opening that slippery slope like you had pudge get in a few years back and Seeley getting in a few years back and now you got david ortiz who has also been you know potentially a steroid user pd user it just kind of starts to not make sense to me when you have the greatest hitters of all time missing out 10 straight years and then you have another guy who is obviously more popular of a player you know big poppy i love big poppy too and i also think he should be a hall of famer i would just like to see the other guys get in as well. If you kind of start opening that door to the potential PED users, then I think you kind of have to start allowing them all to get in, especially the ones that have better numbers than the guys that are already in. No, that's fair. I think, like you said, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope here. It's, and I think I heard someone mention it's almost like if you have a good personality and you get along with the media, that's kind of now a bias towards them, right? Like how David Ortiz was liked by the media, had like a good looking personality. 
I think many people were kind of saying that maybe, hey, that's why he got in. And uh, that's, you know, compared to others. Now, I'm curious to hear uh, your thoughts as well, Drew. What do you what do you think about this? You know, I agree. And, and I think you touched on what I was going to say, Dave, is the uh, the personalities are starting to come into play. Because uh, if you look hard enough, there's a lot of people who do a lot of things who are in the hall and, and who aren't. And everybody likes Poppy. And what A-Rod got, like, nothing. Um, and, and just just seeing the disparity and, and the way the media kind of reacts and treats people, I think the personalities play the big role. I think Pete Rose should be out. I think what he does is flagrantly against the game. And somewhere around there is where I draw the line. But it, Clements and Bonds should be in there. And I think RJ said it really well. Doc, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, to take it a step further from what you guys said, and, and we saw it with the NFL this year where the Bears reporter said he wasn't going to vote for Rodgers because he has some bias against him. And I think that's what we're seeing now in a lot of sports is it's not to just the performance. It's likability. It's how the media perceives you. And I think there, I think this needs to be a wake up that there needs to be some reform to voting, whether it be MVP, whether it be Hall of Fame. Maybe you get the players in there that have actually played and know what a Hall of Fame career looks like because there's no reason Poppy should get in the first time. David Ortiz doesn't. But it's I mean, it's not surprising. Like MLB screws up everything. And, and yet we still love the game. But like the negotiations, Hall of Fame voting, like I, there's just many things I don't think they handle right. So I'm just not surprised. It's, you're just kind of numb to it at this point. Yeah. And Marty, anything you would like to add? No, I think Doc said it. Out of touch. I mean, that's Major League Baseball. I mean, if if it's a celebration of the game, then all Barry Bonds should be in. You know, Rodriguez should be in. Clemens should be in. Ortiz should be in. Everyone that the executives at the time in the 90s had no problem looking the other way, you know, when they were making all that money. They had no problem with that. And then now to turn around and not be able to let them in. It's just it, baseball is my favorite and it's embarrassing to be a fan of it because I can't stick up for it. And when, when people I care about and who are very smart say, well, how can you like support that organization? You know, baseball, it, it's, it's becoming harder and harder to stick up for them. But um, I mean, yeah, just more of the same. I just want to say one thing. Dan Shaughnessy, and I'm going to call him out. He voted for one person. Like, what's the point of being Actually, a gatekeeper? That, and that's another thing I hate. Actually, thank you. Um, these guys that just put their, um, their ballots up on Twitter for mm-hmm. whatever reason at all. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I just don't really understand that. And until Lou Whitaker is in the Hall of Fame, I don't care about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like that episode of South Park where everyone who's driving a Prius farts and then sticks their head between their legs because they love the smell <laughs> of their own fart. <laughs> oh, you have a Prius too? Wow. Cool. Ooh, smells great. That's what, uh, that's what the sports writers are like with this. You know, they just, they're so self-righteous. They just love the smell of their own farts. It's, it's, it's obnoxious. I'm with, I think we got a clean sweep. No one is against, uh, Bonds or Clemens getting in on, on this podcast. That's actually I, I very. How did you? How is that the same thing as uh? <laughs> they smell their own farts. Yeah, yeah, they love them. I My love farts. It. Smell good. Great analogy. Wow, I, I don't know how I transitioned from that, honestly. But um, I guess I'm gonna try. Well, before we get into the the catcher preview here, of course, uh, if you were not familiar with, of course, we have as I try to stall for one second while I pull something up for you guys to see. We have a draft going on, not just a draft for that we're in right now with the Battle of the Podcast, but we also have a draft going on. All right, David, enough stalling. Just freaking pull it up. Okay, there we go. 
We have a draft going that we're putting together, the Triple Play Fantasy family, called the Triple Players Ball. So if you are not familiar with that, it's basically if you want to play with us, if you want to play with people that are other listeners of the show, other people in the industry, we've got Chris Clegg in there. We've got, I believe, uh, I think Michael Simeone might be in there too. We have, uh, and we have a couple other guys that are in the industry that right now that are in our league. It's a triple players yes. ball again. And it's, yeah, I had to make sure I pulled it on screen here. And what it's going to be is it's on the NFBC and it is basically DC 50 style, which if you're not familiar with that, you basically draft 50 players and then every week you set your lineup. There's no free agency. There's no waiver wire. So if you don't have to worry about keeping track of your league, you just set your lineups every week and you're set. Very easy league to manage. We're trying to get anywhere from 30 to 45 people in the league so we can have two or three separate leagues with an overall. And I believe Cheesecake might have a pair of spray-painted golden cleats for the overall be, There's going to be an overall trophy. Yes, yes, the overall trophy will be unveiled at some point this season. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Our guy Skylar checking it out. I don't know if I'd be paying better left than Will Smith. I'd like to just hit one, one ball, and I'd be okay. But... Yeah, again, triple players ball. Check it out. If you're interested, make sure you DM the account at Triple Fantasy or you can DM me at DMenio2. We'll get you in a league. Right now, we're starting in the middle of our second league as far as filling that up. So uh, come one, come all. The draft is February 7th. So it's right around the corner. All right. Let's get into catcher previews. And we are, of course, going to look at NFPC ADP since December 30th, which is one month from when we record this episode. And going forward, I like to like take a look one month out from when we record because I think we'll get more accurate data for where players are going rather than just looking since October. So we'll be able to look at our favorites and our fades. And of course, we're going to have cost factored in as well. So it doesn't mean you necessarily dislike the player, but you might dislike the cost. And it's going to be fun. We're going to be talking about catchers from 1 to 10, 11 through 20, and then our favorite late round gem going after catcher 20. So let's get it started. Favorite catcher on the NFBC going between catcher one and catcher 10 and cheesecake. I'm going to let you start this one off. Who's your catcher? Sure. Um, I'm going to go a little bit homerism, but uh, I can back it up. Wilson Contreras currently, I think is the sixth catcher going off the board. If I'm not mistaken, uh, behind, behind Sal, behind JT, behind Will Smith, behind Grandal. And I, I think he's there's and Varsho. So yeah, he's the sixth catcher going off the board. But uh, one thing that you get, what you get with Wilson is you get consistent plate appearances. He's had at least 409 plate appearances in every full season since 2017. He gives you, not only does he give you the plate appearances, he gives you a positive in the counting stats. He has above average runs and RBIs. And he's had over 20 home runs in three of the last four full seasons as well. Um, on top of that, he's about a 260 career hitter. So He's a guy who is above average of what you'll get from other catchers at every point because he's also above average in steals. He's gotten at least five steals twice and four steals one other season. The average of the top 24 catchers last year was about one and a half steals, uh, 38 stolen bases among the top 24 catchers last year. 26 of them came from three catchers. And uh, Contreras was one of those. He got five steals last year. So he's just above average in every single aspect of the game as far as, as he compares to other catchers. So I think where he's going is a very uh, very nice price for him. Okay, Wilson Contreras. First one, I did not expect Wilson Contreras to be the first name, but I dig it. And he's getting a little bit of a dip right now as he's going as the catcher six. He's been going 
mostly I feel like as a top five catcher at the minimum over the last few years. Marty, who is your pick for your catcher you want to start off with? It'll be my second ranked catcher overall, and that's JT Real Muto. So ADP 51.7. Uh, last year, Real Muto was the only catcher to reach double-digit home runs. He had 17, and double-digit steals. He had 13. As I said on the um, the Toolshed podcast, he's still 91st percentile in sprint speed, even though he's going to be 31 years old. And we have to realize and bake this into these projections for the National League catchers that there's more than likely going to be a universal DH. So in 2020, uh, the last time they had the universal DH in the NL, uh, Real Muto played 25% of his games either at DH or first. So over a full season, I expect them to keep with that and maybe even, you know, even increase it a little bit more, having played DH as much as possible. And so even though obviously he is getting older, he's playing the hardest position in baseball. He's going to be 31, but I think he's going to be able to maintain the steals and the, the home run and the power over the full year because he's going to be able to have those rest days. And looking at Steamer, um, see, he's projected for 22 home runs and 13 stolen bases. At the catcher position, I absolutely love that. And it's very interesting, too, because on the Toolshed podcast that me, you, and Doc were on, you had JT Rubuto over Will Smith. And the other three of us, me, Doc, and Cross, all had Will Smith over him. So you're, you're all in on JT this year. Absolutely. Yep. All right. I love it. Doc, where are you going to go to start off with your love? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of repeat of what we said on the tool shit, but I'm going Keybert Ruiz. Is Keybert or Kybert? Did we decide? I think it's Kybert right. Ruiz. Well, since his time coming over from the Nationals, or from the Dodgers to the Nationals, he's looked like a different player. He had more strikeouts, five in six games with the Dodgers last year. Then he had in 23 games with the Nationals when he had four. So you really saw the play discipline get better. And what we've seen with the Dodgers is that if you're not ready to play, that they might demote you. And we've seen it with Gavin Lux, even if you're a highly touted prospect. And certainly Will Smith is a top catcher as well. He finished out the season hitting safely in nine out of 12 games, six of those hits were multi-hit. And he's going to hit either in front of or behind Soto, probably the player with the best uh, discipline. So I really think it's going to help his growth as a player. And at 144, I think that's really, really great value. Where is he your catcher? Is he your catcher five, Eric? I think he's my catcher. Yeah, he's my catcher five. We have our, we're going to be releasing our triple play fantasy rankings uh, in the next couple of weeks just from the staff here. And you'll be able to see all our rankings in an organized sheet. But I, I knew you had your catchers. And I just forgot which one, where you had them ranked. I'll have to double check that. Drew, you're up, my man. What about who would you like to start your love fest for? Oh, well, I want to have a love fest for Yasmani Grandal. Um, you know, I looked uh, what he did last year, and everybody knows that the first half and the second half were remarkably different. But what stands out when I looked at some of the stats was the, um, his contact percentage was not that far apart first half to second half. He's 65% in the first half, 74 in the second. Um, but his hit percentage, basically his BABIP, was like 190 and 350. He was just terribly unlucky in the first half. Um, and he was not hitting the ball as hard in the first half, so some balls were staying in the park. Um, so I don't know if he'll duplicate the second half for the full year, but he's not going to have that first half again. Uh, and what he had in the second half is attainable. So, you know, I think we're going to see solid home runs. You're going to pay a little bit in the batting average. If your league has OBP, you definitely want him. Uh, but even the walks turned into runs, you know, in that lineup. So, um, you know, Sal Perez is like way up there. But but and and I'm just not going to draft that a catcher that high. But 
Uh, I hope to have Grandal on a lot of rosters this year. Ooh, can I debate this? Because he's on my hate list. In one second, we can then we can do our debate. But I want to ask, so where would you have Yasmani? He's ranked as catcher five. Would you bump him up ahead of any of the guys ahead of him, or do you firmly like him as the fifth catcher? Um, yeah, I'd probably go like Perez, JT Romoto, Varshall, and Smith. Probably still be a fifth. Okay. But where I get him in the draft is what I like about him. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, no, that's very fair. I yeah. mean, around pick a hundred, and uh, you know, the first three guys are going in the top sixty picks. So I can understand, you know, you get like a a forty pick discount, and you still can get similar production. I, I'm I completely understand that. I mean, Doc, we can definitely save some time, and you can go ahead and jump right into if if you disagree, the floor is yours. Yeah. So he's thirty three right now. Um, he has played 150 games or more once in his career, so you worry a little bit about durability. Uh, he suffered a torn tendon in his left knee last season, so that might affect his catching ability. And then he's going to have to compete with DHing for Jose Abreu, or if they decide to put Andrew Vaughn there, I think there's a lot of bats in that lineup, so he might not have that everyday role. Um, but I look at last year as an anomaly at 32 years old, the highest walk percentage of his career at 23.2. It's a, uh, for his career, it's at 17% or 16%. Um, his K rate dropped from 29.9 to 21.9%, and it's 24 for his career. Career high in hard hit percentage, career high in barrel percentage. I do think that the counting stats might be there just because how stacked the lineup is. But with a min pick of 44 and an average pick of 99 or 100, I think you're chasing last year's stats, and I think he's definitely due for some regression. Debate. <laughs> I mean, do uh, you have anything you would like to uh, to add back to his debate, Drew? Um, I'm just going to say 33 is not that old. Ah, I, <laughs> I agree. I, I'm 33 years old. <laughs> yeah. From a guy over 50, I'd love to be 33 again. I'm just going to leave it right I, there. I'm, I'm, a, I'm with Drew. I think that's the drop the mic moment right there. <laughs> I got no rebuttal for that. You win this round. <laughs> All right, RJ. It's been a while since I've heard from you. How are you doing? Why don't you tell us your guy? Uh, so I'm actually going to pop in and hop in on Drew's side here, actually. We are uh, across the border rivals, but I am with you on Yasmany Grandal. Mm. Um, I personally can't see myself taking somebody like Dalton Varsho over Yasmany Grandal. Uh, even if last year is a bit of an anomaly, uh, a lot of his, you know, expected numbers are looking really good. A lot of his advanced numbers are looking really good. If you look at his savant page, it's just fire red. It looks pretty much exactly like uh, Salvador Perez's. But the big issue, like Doc said, is the amount of games that might get played. Uh, when this guy's on the on the field, he hits the ball as well as any other catcher in the league. He might be the best catcher in the league. Well, it's it might be a little bit far-fetched to say that, but he's one of the top two catchers overall in the league when he is on the field. He had a career low BABIP last year, despite having a slow start to the season. So that could actually, you know, get back to his league, uh, back to his norm and go up a few points. So his average could also, you know, start to even out a bit that way. So even with a bit of regression, I think that he could actually have his BABIP regress back to the mean. So that is a point back in his favor, in my opinion, to kind of stay a little bit more consistent on the last year. Cause I think the power numbers are going to stay and the walk numbers should stay up a little bit, even if they drop down a little bit as well. So I know you're not going to get anything on the base pass from him, but you're going to get the counting stats in his lineup. Plus, if he did play as many games or get as many at-bats as Salvador Perez did last year, he did. it did extrapolate to 41 home runs. So this is a big-time power-hitting man. 
and you can play him with the catcher. I know he's getting a little old, but I think in a redraft league, you can get at least one more good solid year out of this guy. I mean, yeah, I'm looking at his page right now. If you're a bull, do not check out his page. There's a lot of red on there. You're not kidding. Uh, but I will add, so are either of you, for, for Drew or RJ, are either of you guys concerned that it took you know his first two months he hit 127 in the month of April and 136 in the month of May, and then in June 260, July 222, and then it was then he got hurt. You guys remember, and then he came back in August and September to hit 500 in 18 plate appearances in August, and then 320 in September. And it took him pretty much getting extremely hot to finish out the year for him to kind of look like his normal self. Are you worried that either it's just he's streaky, or the fact that it just took a kind of a uh, very big finish from him to be able to to fill out where he he should be does that concern you guys at all so if uh if i could go ahead here before drew sorry um i think that last year i had yasmani grandal on one of my rosters and i remember thinking you know this guy's getting very very unlucky like as i said his BABIP numbers were way down and he was hitting way below his, I mean, he's not a career great average hitter to begin with, but he was w- hitting way below his career norms. But as Drew said in his first, you know, first thing he said was that his contact numbers were still pretty solid. He's not striking out a lot. He was still taking his walks. His on-base percentage is still way higher than his average. So I was thinking that he was just getting a little bit unlucky. You can't chalk it all up to luck, but mm-hmm. I think that it played a massive factor in it. And then I just kept holding him last year and then it ended up paying dividends. And I feel like that could kind of, I think he could be a bit of a streaky player as well on top of that, but I think he was getting pretty unlucky with a lot of his uh, advanced numbers, and I think that he could totally just, he could have just all came out and regressed to the mean, and he just finished strong, just finished the season. Fair enough. Yasmani Grandal, good debate to start out the show here. Well, I want to say real quick, Dave, just to add, the offensive environment during the first two months of the season was the worst we've seen in a super long time, just overall. So then they made the the change, obviously, to the sticky substances, and we saw offense pick back up. We also have to remember, where's Yasmani Grandel playing during these cold, cold months? He's in Chicago. No one's hitting as much as they're going to in the middle of the summer and that fall. So that's a, two big things I think that um, we expect better numbers from him next year, or at least once it gets uh, better outside. I think you guys need to get some Yasmani Grandel jerseys. There's a lot of love <laughs> for that man hey, right OBP now. monster, OBP god. Yeah. He walks in the words of Moneyball. He gets on base. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's go to the other side of the coin. Let's talk about players in the one through ten range that we're avoiding. Now, Doc did lead that off, but he's he's out on the Yasmani Grandal train. But let's go backwards now and let's start with you, RJ. Who in this range are you comfortable avoiding? So I'm not sure I'm actively avoiding him, but I can't really see myself picking up any Tyler Stevenson shares. Uh, I was looking at the Savant page earlier. He doesn't make incredibly hard contact with the ball. Uh, he doesn't strike out and he walks a whole lot, but he doesn't really hit a ton of, have a ton of home run upside. He might hit for a decent average for you and he might get a good on base percentage for you if you're playing in a league with on base percentage, but I don't see the power numbers there. I know the Reds might have or might score a lot of runs. So the counting stats might be decent depending on where he hits in the lineup as well. I remember last year he was hitting seven, eight, six towards the end of the lineup a lot of the time and it was hurting his counting stats or he just wasn't playing every day so i think that he's a bit of i wouldn't say he's a bust i just don't think i'm actively picking him among my top 10 catchers no that's fair i mean you're right like the quality of contact is not very good uh i mean he seems like one of those players that's going to be a little bit more give you a a decent average but he's not going to wow you with anything and going at catcher seven right now is definitely a steeper price than it was 
I believe if you had just looked earlier in the offseason, he was going after catcher 10. So now he's kind of bumped up a little bit over the last month or so. And and that's definitely becoming a little bit more of a, a price that I don't know if I would pay. So I can see where you're going at with that, RJ. Drew, who's your pick? Um, I wrote down two names. Stevenson was one. The other's Adley Rushman. Um, and purely because I don't see a first-year catcher hitting well while he's learning how to catch. When he's on the bench between innings, he's talking to the pitcher, he's talking to the coaches, he's thinking about who's coming up next. And he's not focusing on the hitting. I think it takes catchers two or three years. I play a lot of Dynasty. I'd love to have him on a Dynasty roster, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to pick him up in a redraft this year. So right now, Adley Rutschman is going around pick 180 with a min pick of 112 and a max pick of 251 over the last 87 drafts. If he was around pick 251 for you, Drew, would you take him? Probably around there. He has a catcher, too. Yeah. I wouldn't want him as my catcher one. Yeah. Okay, so definitely as far as the price being where it is, that's that's a big reason why. I mean, of course, him being the rookie catcher, but if he's at 251, you would take him for sure. I think so, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Now, Marty, who are you looking at in this range? Drew is a smart guy. I mean, he has got, he's got the Detroit jersey on, you know, like he, he he's a man after my own heart. Adley Rushman. He's never played in Major League Baseball before, and I don't care how great of a prospect you are because he is going to be a great catcher eventually. He might be, you know, top 50 catcher of all time. Who knows? But there's a huge learning curve no matter what when you come up to the Major Leagues. He's going to be playing games the most he's ever played before. Um, it's not 100% certain that he's going to be on the opening day roster. So let's just kind of keep that in mind, even though he should be, but who knows? Those lineup isn't great. So the counting stats really aren't going to be there. And they push back the wall 26 feet. So overall, production is going to be down in, in good old Camden. Yeah. And if I had looked at our text thread, I would have seen I could have just made that a perfect transition, but I lost it in all our text from the draft we were doing. So no, you guys are both on the same page. I know Art would be on that same page too, because he was all about avoiding Adley Rutschman when we were brought up his name for potential for one of our catchers, but I'm assuming you went a different direction. I went a different direction, and I and I will say that the first time you suggested we pick Adley Rushman, it was around pick 150. So so you, David, were 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 comfortable with with the price in a, in a draft championship league. I, that was the first time we talked about, it and I was like, no, not here. That's <laughs> that was that was one of the reasons. It was really high. Um, but the person I'm I'm avoiding, and it's because of the price. Obviously, it's it's Sal Perez. I think um, Sal Perez had had one of the best seasons by catcher that has ever been all time, and he had 48 home runs. And if you look at the projection system, they're all projecting 34 to 40 home runs this year. Those are amazing. Projecting 40 home runs, the bat is incredible. Now, if you look at the quality of contact that Sal Perez had last year, it backs up everything he did. Um, so the only thing you could say is that that's a career year and you're paying for it. If you look at what he's done before that, 27 was his highest home runs. So are we saying that he's reached a new level now? Uh, he could have, but you're paying for it. Um, and I think that, you know, Prior to last season, he was the second catcher. You were getting him 30 or 40 picks later. Now I look at the catcher position. It's deeper, I think, this year than it has than it was last year. It's deeper than it was the year before that. So I'd rather pass on a very high price on on Sal, uh, someone who I think is going to regress 
down lower to more of his career highs prior to to last year and, and grab a guy who I think has some potential later, like the guys that were mentioned uh, uh, previously. Well, fair enough. I, I mean, Sal at his price, you're missing out on a lot of good players in that range. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's the very hard part, deciding if you want to take him or not. And you're like you said, you're paying for his career year. You would assume he's not going to get anywhere near those types of numbers again. And you have to decide yourself. Do you want? He could be the, still the best catcher in baseball, but he might not be by as many points as he was this past season. Let's take a look. I, I like this next range. This is going to be the stuff that people need to hear. Once we get to that eleven through twenty range, now these guys are a lot of people. If you wait on catcher, these are the guys you're looking at. If you decide to take two catchers early, this is your most likely your second catcher. And you know this this is a very volatile range. And I'll be very interested to hear where your guys' heads are at. And Marty, let's start with you for this one. Who is in this range, the 11 through 20, that you find yourself wanting to draft a lot of? Well, and I will say this, this range, it feels good to be in this range. You know, like I feel good in here. There's so many different names that I could like just the Diaz and then uh, Navarez, which I got I got the boot on because Doc already called it as his little spoiler alert there. <laughs> but uh, I was mad about that. But um, anyway. Uh, Christian Vasquez is going to be my guy, and not only because we draft him in our uh, Battle of the Pods League, but because he's going to give you the opportunity to maybe get you double-digit steals. So um, ATC projects him at 10 home runs, 6 steals. I, I think that's pretty much right on. In a two-catcher league, my second uh, catcher, I'm really just going to get some guy that just hits tons of home runs, and I'm not going to worry about his average or anything like that. So I think he's that perfect uh, chess piece to add a couple stolen bases on pretty cheap. Yeah, and I mean, he's, again, you know, he's going to be in that lineup. A very underrated catcher, too. He, it seems like he just goes in day in and day out and does what he's supposed to do for that in that lineup for the Red Sox. Doc, let's go back to you. Who in this range, I think Marty already did a good job of teasing it. Who do you love? Did he tease it or did he give it away? And it's it's funny because Marty and I agreed on way too many. Uh, Almost Martin all of them. Almost all of them. It's like we're the same guy in the same profession. But yeah, it's Omar Narvaez. Uh, I think he's right now catcher 17. Let me check. Uh, catcher 18, uh, 256 ADP, min 197, max 308. So we saw in 2020, he saw a dip in his offensive stats, hit 176. Well, he brought that back up to 266, 11 homers, 49 RBIs. And I think one of the reasons why is he really focused on a defensive approach. And in 2020, and I think he got back to it in his offensive, which he was known for. Back in 2021, I mean, with Seattle in 2019, he had 22 homers. So you know he has that upside. He played in 123 games last year, and that's with no DH. So if they do implement a DH, like we're all hoping they will, I think he, he'll have an everyday role with the Brewers and hopefully give you some good production, especially where you can get him at. Yeah, I, I you and Marty both were just preaching him all on the Toolshed show. and. Mm-hmm. You're going to get him at a very good price. Oh, just salivating over him. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Drew, what about you? Where are you looking at in this range? Uh, I'm looking at Elias Diaz. Uh, I picked him up late in some drafts last year and just kind of had him in second half to some kind of start to climb up there. He's got some some really good numbers. He brings a little bit of power, which is what I like in the catcher position. Uh, And I think for where you get him, and I think playing in Colorado is always going to help. But... You know, in this range, what I'm kind of looking in here is quite a few guys that I like, but right now Diaz is one who, um, so I started getting in here. I, I didn't think he'd be this high, but the more I look at him, the more I think he's like slotted 
in a perfect place right there. That's about where I'd love to get him. Starting catcher for the Colorado Rockies. And you don't need to say anything else. And I'm, I'm in yeah. on it with you, Drew. I love yeah. it. RJ, who are you looking at? So I feel like I'm going to be going crazy saying this name because I've avoided drafting him my entire life. But I'm actually in on Gary Sanchez this year, which kind of feels incredibly dirty to say as a Blue Jays fan as well. And just watching him swing the bat sometimes. But I'm in on Gary Sanchez. If you look at some of his you know, advanced numbers, the walk rate is still strong. The barrel percentage is still really strong. The quality of contact is still really strong. And this is the best price I've ever seen Gary Sanchez at in a fantasy draft in my entire life. He's going to murder your average, I'm sure. He's not going to give you anything on the base pass, but he's playing in the Yankees lineup in the Yankees ballpark that's going to score a lot of runs, and he still has a powerful bat. There's not a lot of names in this range that can give you 30-plus home run upside with the RBI numbers that Gary Sanchez can give you. Could he bust completely? But at catcher 17 at ADP 251, I might be willing to fire up Gary Sanchez. But do you think, are you confident if I ask you right now, do you think he can be Gary Sanchez and not scary Sanchez? Because when he gets, <laughs> when he becomes scary Sanchez, I mean, he kills everything. Like he's, I mean, obviously striking out a ton. And then the, the Yankees won't even play him. They'll play Hishioka. And yeah. then it becomes a problem. I, but I guess at, at, you know, pick 251, I, what I'll do for you, RJ, is I ask Art his. And I know we're going to have some people arguing with Gary Sanchez on the other end. I'm going to look at players going in his range, and you tell me if any of those players intrigue you at all. So, Cheesecake, let's give you the player that you want to talk about for this catcher range, and then I'm going to pull up some in the Gary Sanchez range. I I want to just uh, real quickly uh, uh, piggyback on Namardi. I think Vasquez is a great choice as well. He's He's got four categories. Power is the only thing he's really really deficient in as, as far as the catchers go in a Roto League. Uh, I'm, I'm, but I want to also put a plug in for a bounce back season from uh, Travis Jarno, uh, who I think is 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 going at a nice nice value. He had a little bit of a uh, injury last year, missed some plate appearances, but I think that um, I think that that his statistics underperformed his uh, his uh, peripherals, uh, his his expected statistics. Uh, by quite a bit last season and he's hitting in a very good lineup. They're going to hit him in a good spot in the batting order. I think that, uh, you know, no injury, get him a full season out there. He's the guy who's going to have, get you about 400 plate appearances and can hit for a good batting average with some pops. So Diarno, the 11th catcher off the board, I think he could, could definitely finish as a top five or 10 catcher or so by the end of the season. It's fair enough. All right. So I'm looking at Gary Sanchez going around two, two, two fifty one. Right after him, you have Spencer Torkelson, you have Herman Marquez, Steven Matz, John Gray, Anthony Santander, uh, of course, Doc's heartthrob, Omar Narvaez, Alex Cobb, Garrett Whitlock. So in this range, do you see yourself, RJ, like with the names I said, does he still seem intriguing enough where you're like, you know what, I'm going to take Sanchez there? Or you'd be like, you know what, like there's some players that I think I might even wait longer or I might take a catcher in a different spot. What do you think? I think with a lot of those names there, I actually do like, uh, I do like Omar Narvaez as well. I actually, I just, he got talked about before that as well. So I do like Narvaez as well. I might have Narvaez one or two spots ahead of uh, catcher for Gary Sanchez for me. But uh, the other names there, I think that if I haven't taken a catcher yet, I need some home run upside. My average and steals have kind of been sorted out a little bit. I don't see a, I don't see a problem with taking a gamble on Gary Sanchez because he does have with his power hitting ability and in the lineup around him, he's going to be streaky, obviously. And there's going to be, 
weeks or maybe a month at a time that he might just absolutely kill your average and you don't feel comfortable playing him or the Yankees don't feel comfortable playing him. But there's going to be times that he has the ability to carry your team for weeks. And he has that home run upside that I know a lot of the catchers in this range don't have. So I feel like he's okay as an upside gamble pick for sure. In this range at 251, if he was still going 50 to 100 picks ahead of this, I probably wouldn't touch him. But where he's going, I think that he's definitely worth the gamble. All right. I like it. So then let's go again to the hate side. And Doc, I'll let you lead this one off. Who do you hate? Or you know, no, you know what? I don't want to use that word. Who do you dislike in this range? You know what? I, I feel really bad that we have two wonderful guests on, and I'm just going to disagree with them. I mean, <laughs> I, at least we have Nor- Omar Narvaez. And I, look, I understand the upside for Gary Sanchez. At that point, it's the best discount that you've ever got on him. But you're really relying on the power. I mean, he's gotten a little bit better play discipline. He dropped the K rate from 36% in 2020 to 27.5. So I guess that's the kind of the small improvement there. He's not guaranteed an everyday role. Kyle Hishioka is Garrett Cole's personal catcher. So you know at least one out of five days, he is not going to be in the lineup. And overall, as a, defensively as a catcher, he's very, very bad. I think I, I should have pulled up the stat before, but I think he allowed, was number one in pass balls last year. It might have been the year before. So have to factor that in. If John Carlos Stanton isn't healthy and has to DH, he now has to uh, fight at bats with him with Luke Voigt, they have so many bats in that lineup that I don't, I don't think it's guaranteed he has an everyday role. And Aaron Boone hasn't been afraid to say, hey, look, we're yank, we're pulling you out if, if you're not doing well. The fact that he has a shorter leash mid-season when they don't have any replacements or any backup plan besides Higashioka, you have to figure that they're going to come in this year and say, okay, well, if he's not producing, are we going to trade him? Are we going to bring in another catcher? Or are we going to suffer for it for another year? And the power's there, but he's never had more than 80 RBIs. A lot of these home runs are solo blasts. So, you know, he's not, dri- he's not driving people in with it. Doc, I want to ask you something. How about this? What happens if you get an early catcher? You get a Will Smith. And he, what about Gary Sanchez? It's your second catcher. So when I you mean, combine their stats at the end of the day, would you be a little bit more intrigued? I don't, I don't hate if you're going for a second catcher and we talked about it on the, the tool shed and you're like, Hey, I want Mike Zunino. And, and personally, I would have Gary Sanchez over Zunino. But if you say, yes, I'm going to target power. I just worry about not only is he going to kill your average and you're solely relying on that, but I don't think the playing time is guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, Gary Sanchez is the ultimate like ticking time bomb. He's, he's either. Again, he's going to be streaky and, and do what he's, you know, win you a week, but then he could go a month where he's got a, you know, a 35, 40% K percentage and he's not even in the lineup. And then you just having him, even as your second catcher, you have him as your second catcher. And he's not even getting plate appearances at that point because he's unplayable. That's, I think, the biggest thing, even as a second catcher, that with him as bad as his bad is, that means you have a second catcher that's not getting plate appearances, which in a lot of these leagues, you need plate appearances. And, he becomes a big liability at that point. So that's my only qualm with that. But again, the upside with that, with that power at that spot is definitely intriguing. Uh, I believe uh, Cheesecake, you're the last one, correct? Or no, no, Drew, and then Cheesecake. All right. Um, I think uh, Doc and I are going to have a new podcast called Point Counterpoint. I had no idea. This- <laughs> I want more than 12 home runs and 250 at this range, and that's what uh, Narvaez gives you. Narvaez gives so. Um, my fate in this group is Omar Narvaez. I, I, I'm not buying into it. I do not think he's got the power that 
I'd like to see right here. Um, I'm not so, I don't like, I wouldn't take Sanchez either in, in terms of that debate, but, um, you know, Omar Narvaez is just going to show up, you know, he'd be a great catcher three, uh, but not something I'm, I'm looking for in this range for me. And, and, and it comes down to the power of the hard hit rate, um, uh, the contacts there, but, uh, I want a little more than contact is if contact doesn't come with speed, then I want to have some power. Yeah. Uh, I agree, and I'm sure Marty and Doc don't like hearing that, but it makes sense, right? I mean, can't uh, have be on. More, hey, join the Triple Players League and uh, just, you know, more Omar Narvaez shares from me. That's how, I, I'm yeah. cool disagreeing. That means it's yeah. it, he falls to me. Yeah. Pleasure doing business with you, Drew. Virtual handshake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in there. You can have him. <laughs> are you in, the, are you in the, the League One, Drew? Yeah, yeah, I was in League One. You put me in there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that's good. But we definitely will be going head to head for that. That'll be good. Uh, well, Marty did a good job of reminding me that I did not get to him yet either. So I'll no. let Cheesecake go and then I'll let Marty go because we saved the best for last. Of course. Yeah. I mean, of course. Uh, Mike Zanino is the guy who I'm avoiding in this range. Um, Zanino got 375 plate appearances last season, uh, and hit 33 home runs. Over the course of his career, over 375 plate appearances, he would normally get about 18 home runs. Last year, his barrel rate was 10% higher than it normally was. His max EV went way up from its career high, made his career high. I think with Zanino, uh, his batting average is so bad that if he's not getting you the, the huge power numbers that he gave you last season, that he's actually not even really helping you at all. You're getting 18 to 20 home runs of a guy who's hitting like 200 and because, <clears throat> I mean, he's a very good defensive catcher, but the Rays don't play him. He's not like an everyday catcher, 375, 350, 380 plate appearances. He's not going to produce enough counting stats uh, unless he's hitting for that power. Like normally he would get about 40 runs and 46 RBIs over 375 plate appearances. He was over 60 in both of those last year, but it was mainly because he hit so many more home runs. And so I think, if he's not hitting that many more home runs, and I don't expect him to hit home runs at the same rate he hit last year, then he's not really giving you much, and he's really, really hurting your batting average. So Zanino, I stay away from him. Uh, Sanchez is is there a few picks later. If, if you really want the power, I think he's a little bit better bet. Yeah, he used to be the discounted like Gary Sanchez, and now he's going ahead of Gary Sanchez. So I think before you'd be like, hey, I love the power. I'll get that, you know, whatever it was, pick 350, 400, wherever he mm-hmm. used to be going. And now, it, not worth, not at that price. He was my biggest fade as well. So I, I, I think I'm right there with you, Cheesecake. Marty, finish this one out for us, and then we can get to our late round gem to close this segment out. All right, awesome. So for me, it's going to be the Blue Jays catcher, Alejandro Kirk. So overall, I just don't believe he's going to be the Blue Jays catcher of the future. Um, last year, he batted 242. With a 328 OPP, he only had eight home runs. It was over 189 plate appearances, but he's going to split time with Jansen. And knocking on the door is Gabriel Marino. So he is one of the – talk about Adley Rushman. He's number two as far as the second-best catcher um, in in the farm system, uh, just overall across baseball. So in 2021, over 37 games, he played at rookie ball, double-A, and triple-A, which is pretty incredible as a catcher moving through that um, that many levels. And he slashed 367, 434, 626 with eight home runs and 45 RBIs. So I believe he's knocking on the door. He'd be called up soon. He's knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. 
I can't when I hear that I think of that. So it's I don't hate uh, it. That's fine. All right. Let's quickly go around the horn. We'll start with cheesecake and go all the way down the line here. Give us in like sixty seconds or less your late round gem and why you want your name stamped all over that player's name during this entire draft season. Let's start you off with cheesecake here. Uh, my late round guy is Danny Jansen. I think Danny Jansen's going to get plate appearances for Toronto. Now you have to remember he only has 831 plate appearances so far. It seems like he's been here, been in the major leagues forever. He's only 26 years old. He's going to be 27 at the end of this season. I think his debat, his development, developing in the minor leagues, this guy was a plus average guy. And I think that's going to start coming around a little bit more. He's going to give you a better average, and he started to show some pop last year, 11 home runs and 205 plate appearances. So I think uh, Jansen, guy who's who's definitely getting plate appearances in Toronto, they like him there, the way he handles the staff, um, and I think he's going to start producing in that good offense. And you think Alejandro Kirk might get traded? Because if they're sharing catching duties, that could be a little scary, no? I mean, they didn't play Kirk much at catcher last year, though, and I don't think they like him as a catcher necessarily um you know kirk might might get some dh at bats and backup catcher at bats but i think jansen's going to be the primary catcher fair enough and you know what you get him a lot later so i, I definitely think that's a, a good call it'll be it'll be easily waiting on him for later on and, and as our buddy cal who's watching the show checked in here said you got gabriel moreno too uh who is going to be someone uh that he he's going to be in so Cal, I don't know if you're in the triple play baseball league or not. I'd love if you hop in and you can take all the Gabriel Moreno because it seems like Cheesecake's taking all of the uh, of the Danny Jansen. So we're going to see who's right at the end of the team, which is the right catcher for Toronto. I, I'm To be honest with you, I'm a little bit more on the Cal side. I like Gabriel Moreno a little bit more personally than Danny Jansen. I don't know if the offensive stuff is going to be there. I know he's a better defensive catcher, but they have a lot of options in Toronto, that's for sure. Marty. Why don't you tell us who your late round gem is? It's going to be the old dependable, Yadier Molina, right? Just nice and nothing sexy, nice and safe. He's going to be my number two catcher. He's going to get me around 12 home runs. He's going to play about 120, 30 games. And he's going to maybe more because he's going to be riding off into the sunset after this year. So Yadier Molina, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. He's going to be my number two catcher in so many different leagues. I love where he's at. Just nice and stable. He's a 260, 270 average, 10 home runs, you know, 50 RBIs, and he won't strike out a lot. It's the best catcher, too, I think you could possibly get. For, and and he can, he's not going to hurt you anywhere. So I, I love that call. And they're going to play him as much as possible, as much as his body will allow, because after this, he's done. Yep. Doc, who's your pick? I'm going James McCann, uh, late source of power that you can get. Uh, you know, Art brought this point up with big contracts and not saying James McCann got a big contract, but typically the first year, a lot of people underperform, especially being in a big market like New York. I uh, look at some of the years he's had with Detroit, 18, 12, 13 homers, and that's playing part-time. I, he had 10 in 121 games last year, but I'd look at someone outside the 20s that could give me double-digit home runs, and that's James McCann. And in a good year, he can hit 260, 270, even hit 289 in the short 2020 season. So give me him. All right. James McCann for Doc. Drew, who's your gem? Well, my mind said uh, Danny Jansen, and that's that's you know who I came in ready to talk about. But my heart says uh, Jorge Alfaro, just because I've seen him have some good games, he have some good weeks. I'd just love to see him get the opportunity to put it together. But it'd be a real late rounder when I take him. 
Yeah, he's going as catcher 32 after pick 400. You get him for free. And he's outfield eligible, too. Yeah. For San Diego. And he's going to be in the San Diego lineup. So, you know, maybe he just needs a new change of scenery. I, Drew, I think you're throwing some good picks in here. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're going a little under the radar with these picks, and I like it. I, I, I think it's, it's, that's a very good late round call there. Uh, RJ, why don't you close this segment out for us? Who is the last gem people should know about? Yeah, so I'm also going to kind of piggyback onto that uh, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk talk as your resident Blue Jays fan in here, and I'm also <laughs> on Danny Jansen. Oh, uh, I also I as uh, as Art said, I think that Danny Jansen is going to get the majority of the time behind the plate this year for the Blue Jays. Yes, Marino is knocking on the door, but I don't think we actually see him until a potential Kirk trade goes through. I think that Kirk is definitely on the block to be traded. I think there's a lot of perceived value of him amongst the league. Uh, I know teams like Cleveland and everything has been, you know, rumored to maybe have something in there, but I think Jansen is their backstop of the current time and maybe not of the future with Marino behind the plate, but he's definitely going to have a role. Last year, the majority of Kirk's time behind the plate was catching Robbie Ray and Robbie Ray is no longer a member of the Blue Jays. So that leaves Jansen another guy to potentially catch because Kirk isn't obviously as good behind the plate as Jansen. And to finish the season, Danny Jansen showed a lot more power. His his walks were down a little bit, but he showed better quality of contact. Uh, he's top 10 in a lot of the expected stats that I've seen. Uh, he hits for a pretty strong average. He is a former borderline top 100 prospect, so there's a bit of pedigree with this guy here as well. People do forget that Jansen had a crazy good AAA season in Buffalo before he got finally called up to the show. So Jansen's got some hitting credentials himself as well, so I could easily see Jansen finishing in the top 15-ish of catchers if he gets the a stronger side of of the platoon. Is anybody so we have RJ and Cheesecake as Team Jansen. The other three, I would like to to see where you guys are at. Are you Team Jansen or are you Team somebody else? Um, I'll go first. And any guy who wears goggles, I'm completely a fan. Oh <laughs> yeah, fan, Danny Jansen <laughs> doesn't matter. That's my guy. The goggles, I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm Team Jansen too. Same. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so it's me and Cal for Team Gabriel Moreno. I, I think, yeah, Kirk will be traced. So I'm not including him in this conversation. Okay, this is going to be a fun one to revisit once the season gets started to see who is the Blue Jays catcher, which is going to be very valuable with that type of lineup that they have. Uh, but great discussion, everybody. I, I think we covered a lot of players in a good amount of time, and I can't think of a better way to transition from that than to our question of the week, which you guys are in for a treat. Because new to StreamYard is I can play music while we talk. So I don't know if even did you guys, Doc, uh, Cheesecake, Marty, did you guys know that? I figured we could when you do sound effects. So yeah, I can I can play a little bit of a I can play a little of this while we talk and uh, set the mood here. Is this like a database of pre-recorded songs, or are these your yeah. beats that you just mix at your house? No, they they already have these pre-recorded. <laughs> okay. So. Find a, find a nice lull music while I get to our question of the week. Add some background music. Our question of the week, sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. New depositors receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 using promo code Triple Play. So the question this week, if you could design an alternate jersey for a Major League Baseball team, what would the jersey look like and for which team so it doesn't have to be your own team if you don't want it to be, but someone you're like, hey, this this team needs this jersey as an alternate. I don't know why they haven't done it yet. 
Let's start with RJ. And if the music's distracting, I can definitely let me let me turn it down a little bit. No, I like the music. It's getting me in the it's getting me the vibes going. I love it. I can see okay. Doc vibing in the corner over there. It's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a little bit of a cop out or not, but it shows my inability to have artistic ability. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, pretty much the entire time I've been a fan of the Blue Jays, they've only had one time where they've gone away from the blue. And I understand that because it's the Blue Jays and a lot of people were mad when they tried that really ugly black and blue jersey from back in the day. But what I'm thinking is I, I know, you know, you guys like basketball on this podcast here as well. So I don't know if anybody's seen the Raptors new like city kind of black and gold oh, sort yeah. of jerseys. Okay, never mind. I, I know which ones you're talking about. I, I would go a different angle. Uh, I would love to see. Well, I would like the purple on the Blue Jays too. I'm not going to lie about that. But I was thinking that like a new school like black and like gold kind of like Toronto Blue Jays style jersey. I know it's a bit of a cop out because I'm not very artistic, but I think with the new school crowd, they really like the Raptors jerseys, and I think a lot of them would like the Blue Jays jerseys here too, with a nice Toronto across the, the across the front because they just say Blue Jays across the front now as well. So I'm hoping they can get one that actually says like the city's name in front of it. And then they have those red like Canada Day jerseys that I don't like that much. So get me a different color. Get me like a purple or a black or something on my team. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think a purple Toronto Blue Jays jersey would look pretty cool. I'm, I'm like, right there with you. We have the new ones here. I was going to wear this jersey, but I do have it. I do have it. Like, so if we had like the light blue one like this, but made it like a, like a Raptor shade of purple, that would be pretty sweet. What, well. what player is that? I'll say, tell it's me Springer. that's Manoa. It's Springer. I was so hyped when they signed that guy last year. Like, I'm pretty sure every Blue Jays fan in the world went and dropped like, the, all, like their entire bank account. It's the only real jersey I own. I have so many knockoff Chinese jerseys from like <laughs> that. And, and I just like the I spent my real money on this one, man. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good way to start it off. Drew, what would you pick? Um. Well, I came prepared to talk about Toronto having a Welcome to Buffalo shirt, but um, <laughs> um, the Tampa Rays, they have four shirts in exactly the same, just a slightly different color. So I think if it's a team that needs one, I think it's them. You probably know they used to be the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and mm -hmm. then they changed to the Tampa Rays. So let's go totally alternate, call them the Bay Devils with a bright red shirt and a devil holding a bat and a ball. I think oh. it would go big. So, Bay Devils, let's go. Wow. That's a, that's a really that out-of-the-box awesome. one. I like it. I, I think we have to feel like we could maybe design that somewhere and see right. if we could get that to light because that's that's a good idea. Damn, Bay Devil. Oh, man. I, I like it. Doc, who uh, I'm guessing you were doing Toronto too because it seemed like you had something in mind. No. So, like, if you're a 90s NBA fan, you'll know how, like, the, the – or the Raptors had like the Raptor on the jersey. Oh, yeah. Or like some of the older teams, you know, the Cardinals had jerseys with a Cardinal on it or whatever. I know this isn't part of the logo or part of the team name. I think it'd be really cool if the Nationals had like monuments on their jerseys, like maybe at the bottom, like have like the Jefferson Memorial, the Washington Monument, and then put like, you know, a nice red, white, and blue on there. So a little bit of a throwback nostalgia, but incorporating a logo or uh, a famous sight seeing on the jersey, I think would be pretty cool. All right. Marty, what about you? I'm going to stay at home with the Detroit Tigers because they've Shocker! had the same. Hey, man, they've had the same home jersey since like 1901. He's wearing it. Drew's wearing it right now. It's a beautiful jersey. But imagine this. Imagine that jersey. Everything blue, you see orange. You know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to put orange pinstripes down. Mm. Oh, yeah. A Tigers pinstripe, full jersey, pants, everything. So it would be like a, a dark orange with like a light orange pinstripe? 
No, just be the same orange. Like, just imagine the Yankees, but in all orange. Super loud, just sick. So a white base with orange trim. Yeah. I like it. Oh, okay. I got you. I think like orange jersey. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah, no. White jersey and then with like orange pinstripes and orange, the orange D. Ooh. I, I, I feel like they, that has to be like a spring training jersey or something that they had Dude, to have. They like, won't do anything with that jersey. They just won't. Even like spring training, they just put on T-shirts. Essentially, like they just won't. Oh man, <laughs> she's gonna experiment with some of these new jerseys in spring training. Just like get a different like yeah. look out there, and they could probably sell them too. Like the NBA makes millions of new jerseys every year. Like they probably make so much money off some of these things. Yeah, but that's a good idea, and, and the MLB is yep. allergic to that. Yeah, it goes back to our introduction, where just there's just they don't make good decisions. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Elsie. Yo, turn up that beat in my headphones. You turn up that beat in my headphones. You want to be Oh. Oh. You have this LC. This LC. Coming at you. Oh. I love this. I love the beat in the background. Two things I want to mention. First thing. DC hats and Washington Nats. Put the DC on the hats. (laughs) Thing number two. Talking about Chicago, y'all. Got three colors on our logo right up here. Red, blue, and white. How come we don't have a red jersey? Marty, I want to drop some knowledge on you. Marty, Marty tagged me in a tweet. Red Cubs jersey. Oh, I'm lost. Let's get some, let's get some red Cubs jersey on in here. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like Art's explaining the game. Elsie needs a rap album. I rap for prisoners. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> All right. I'm going to change up the beat. And we're going to go now to our, uh, our game of the week, which is well, let me make sure this is a good beat for this. What do you guys think of this for a game of the week? Uh, I don't know if it fits the vibe. I don't know. Yeah, no, you got to turn the music off for the game. The game's competitive. This is okay. This is I'll turn the music. I'll turn the music off for the game. All right, game of the week, and it is time. So I want to preface this. I had this idea, and it was going to be a lot of work to execute it. But luckily, somebody did all the work for me, and I'm going to give him credit for this because it was my idea. This guy had the same exact idea, but actually had the time to put it together. I'll shout out. Uh, his name is True RGM on YouTube. And what this is, it's a quiz. And what it is, is I'm going to show you a clip of a player hitting a home run. It's going to, or not a home run. And I'm going to freeze it, or they freeze it after they hit the ball. You have to decide off the bat if it's a home run or if it's an out. Okay. Okay, I like this. I like home run it. derby. Yeah, so again, there's going to be eight of them. So not all eight of them are home runs. You have to decide based off of how they show you in the clip. So again, shout out to True RGM because I had this idea. It just would be way too much work to put together. So he did this. And uh, are you guys ready to go? It's pretty simple, right? You just say, yes, it's a home run or no, it's not a home run. Let's do it. All right. All right. Whoever's the best score out of eight wins. So we're going to start off here with... Uh, our first one. Let me make sure I've... Okay, it should be starting right now. What do you guys think? Home run or not LC? Um, let me know if you need me to play it again. I'm going to say no. No? Mm-hmm. Marty? No. Doc? No. Drew? Yes. RJ. I'm saying no, even though I feel like they're tricking us. It seems too obvious, but I'm saying no anyway. 
All right, so only one yes from Drew, and the answer is... Yeah. It's gone! <laughs> it, it, it looks tricks. like it was going foul. There's the pitcher's head. The pitcher tipped his head. He knew it. All right, next one. This is from a Toronto Blue Jay off of Brandon Workman. Is this a home run or not, Marty? Not. Doc? It's it's not. And you guys, you can just keep going after the next person answers. So, Drew, you can yeah. go ahead. And... Yes. RJ? I'm saying yes. And LC? It's, it's Brandon Workman, so I think it's a home run. All right, you guys have to keep track of your own score because there's a lot of yeses and nos. So here's the answer. Was it a home run off of Brandon Workman? That's oh, that looks like it's gone. It looks like it's gone. It looks like it's gone. Oh, he That's like a half of a home run. <laughs> Alex Verdugo, my man. All right. Off of Justice point. Sheffield, Eli White. Was that a home run or not? Doc, lead it off. Yes, because it's off Justice Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because I always agree with Doc. It's got to be a home run. Yes. Uh, no. Yes. All right, so LC's the only one with a no. Did Eli White tag one off of Justice Sheffield? Oh, my God. Come on. Oh, I'm yeah. on the track. I'm on the board. Freddie Freeman. Golfed one. Is that a home run or not, Drew? Yes. I think so. I'm going to say yes. 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 Oh, we have yeses across the board on this one? Mm-hmm. I don't want to just go against the grain because just for the sake of do you think it's a home run? The ball's back. It's back. It's back. It's back. Oh, and you guys were right. Cause like when, when Freeman golf won, it looks like it's always gone. All right. So what's the score quickly after four or halfway done? I got two. 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 One. <laughs> Wait, everybody has two besides who had one? I got one. Okay. RJ's got one. Everybody else has got two. On to number five. Miggy. This, this is Miggy off of, is that Greg Holland? Derek Holland. Derek, Derek Holland. Holland. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What do we think? Is I that didn't, didn't see it. I didn't see it. Hold on, I'll, let me rewind it. Okay. Miggy off of Derek Holland. What do oh, we think? Man. All right, RJ. I'm saying yes. I think it's gone. Yes. Yes. Yes, I think it flew off his bat. How can I catch up if you guys all say yes to <laughs> <laughs> And the correct answer is gone. Nice call. Nice call. All right, we got three left. We have John Carlos Stanton. Moonshot. But is it gone? Starting back up top with Cheesecake. No. 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 I don't like to give Stanton compliments. I'm gonna go with yes. I'm saying yes because there's That's a lot a of pop. It's a pop up, baby. It's the that one was easy. All right, is it a no for a 77 mile an hour pitch on a 2-0 count? Is it gone? <laughs> oh, right at the ah, top. Yeah, I gotta okay. try. I gotta try. 
All right, we got two left. And this one is Eddie Rosario and Josh Lindblom. Is that gone? And we are now with Marty. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. No. All right, this one's a little bit more split. Did Eddie? Did my guy Eddie get one? It's Milwaukee, baby. It's a small park. Get out. Oh, and he almost robbed Ooh, it. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I was going to say, Eddie Rosario mostly hits doubles, though. Well, that was his fifth home run at that point. All right. So, what's the score? I have five. Four. I got four. Four. Two. Oh, <laughs> Marty. Marty's going to get his first win, maybe. All no. right, Marty. Can't, I had to win as a guest. This. I had to win as a guest. Just oh, okay, that's count. true. That's not All right, count. well, you got Yankees and Orioles here. And this is it, Marty. If you get this right, you win. Are you ready? The pressure's on. Here we go. Is that gone? Looks like, I think it was like, um, I think that's Ruiz. I'm not 100% sure. But Mar- I think, Marty, you lead, do you lead this one off or was it Doc? No, Doc leads it off. Okay, Doc leads it off. It's gone. It's the old O Stadium. Yes. I'm saying no. Uh, I'm going to say no. No. So was oh, who said please. yes? I said yes. I'm going. You're for the that. only yes. I yeah. said yes. Okay, so Drew Go. and Doc are yes. Everybody else okay, is so no. If it's a yes. There's a three way tie. All right, that's fair. For the win. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's no! Oh! on the warning oh. track. Victory. And Marty gets his first W as one of the hosts of Triple Play. Nice job, Marty. Nice job. It took took a little while, but I think around around two and a half months. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Well, hey, that's a fun game. If you want to see those plays and make those judgments for yourself, then make sure you're watching the YouTube channel. Obviously, on the podcast, you can't see them, but we stream every episode on YouTube. So if you ever want to play the games with us and they're a little bit more visual. Just pause the podcast and let's check it out on YouTube as you'll be able to play along with us. But on that note, RJ, Drew, I want to thank you guys so much for joining the show tonight. It was a ton of fun. I want to give you each of you a chance to go ahead and plug all the great stuff that you guys do, whether it's in fantasy or anything you want other people to know that listen to the pod. So RJ, we'll start with you. Go ahead, my man. Uh, nothing super special right now. Just, I guess, my Twitter, uh, RJStacy13. Uh, I talk about baseball, basketball, football, fantasy, and non-fantasy related. I got some bets out there as well. Uh, I had a really nice score on a Robbie Ray future like earlier on in the season. So if you follow me, you might have a couple tidbits in there as well. But yeah, other than that, just follow me here on uh, Twitter. And then boys here at Triple Play. DM me, RJ. I like those bets. I will, for sure. <laughs> I, I just added you, RJ. Sweet. Thank you. I'll follow you guys back for sure. Yeah. All right. Drew, what about you, my man? Um, I'm just a big fan. In fact, my uh, Twitter handle's uh, AOK underscore fan. Um, and just, you know, living the dream and enjoying podcasts like this. And, and this has been a real thrill. I really appreciate the invite and really appreciate uh, all you guys. You're a lot of fun. Made it very welcoming. So uh, thanks again and uh, hope everybody else enjoys the show as much as I do. Yeah. I, I loved having you guys both on the show. I mean, Again, just great analysis and fit right in with what we do. And I'm very thankful you guys were able to join us. And, and I, I know I speak for all three of them that it's, it's just, it's always cool to talk to new people. You, know, you see the guys always in the industry and you talk to those guys, but it's always nice to talk to new people too. And so I like 
being able to connect. And when you guys said you listened to the show and that you, you know, your, your fans triple play, I didn't need to hear anything else. I was like, we got to get you on. And yeah. so I hope this is one of many times that we can get you guys on the show because it's, it's a ton of fun to talk to you guys for sure. Yeah, anytime, man. I had a blast here. And I'm getting into my first uh, my first taste of draft champs this year too, so it's nice to get on and talk yeah, about that with you guys go. as well. So <laughs> I'm excited for the I'm well, I'm excited for the season to start in general. Hopefully, we can get these agreements going, and then yeah. uh, I'm pumped to get some more into the high stakes fantasy baseball life. So I'm super pumped about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's a doozy for yeah. sure. The high stakes yeah. leagues. Uh, but everybody that listened to the podcast, or if you watched on YouTube, appreciate you guys and your support each and every week. Next week, we'll be back with another great guest for the first base position previews, which should be a ton of fun. But until then, stay safe, happy drafting, and we're going to make like a bread truck, and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys in the next one.